Striking While the Iron's Hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode. We've got much to talk to you about uh, after the uh, weekend's first USL Championship match. Um, I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me as always is Alicia. Alicia, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, thank you. So we're back here at the Salt Yard. We're in our secret underground lair, uh, two, two protective shells in. And we're just uh, just excited, really, to talk about the first weekend of USL Championship Soccer. Um, you know, all things considered, kind of break down the match a little bit, give some uh, reactions, maybe personal opinions, and, you know, see where that takes us in this episode. Uh, but first, before we get really into that, Alicia, you know, uh, I know that I went to Austin and you stayed here uh, in New Mexico. So yes. where did you watch the game on Saturday. So I went to the Salt Yard, but the West Side one by Cottonwood Mall. Okay, so uh, what part of the Salt Yard did you sit in? Uh, at first, we were inside where the bar was, but we felt it was getting like a little too crowded, and mostly all the United fans were outside in the yard itself with the big screen, and we. I did end up sitting uh, there, and it was really nice. The big screen, it it's shown, the game is shown in HD. They put the sound on, and it's like a surround sound system. It's really, really neat. Nice. I definitely am looking for a place to watch the match this weekend. I, I can't lie and tell you that I'm thinking about still making the drive. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe I might check out uh, watching the game at the... Salt Yard West. Yeah, and I also saw on Instagram, I believe, that Electric Playhouse was pretty packed, and um, I think I might check it out this weekend just to see how it is. Okay, see, I was trying to go and hang out with you, and you are moving (laughs) the party somewhere else, man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so speaking of Austin, um, you know, a good amount of us, you know, I'd like to say at least 100 were on that flight that left at 6.30 a.m. on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it was a very cool experience, you know, just because it was like many, I'd say for, for those who did go to Minnesota last year on the charter flight, it probably gave them those sort of feels like, mm-hmm. hey, we're doing it again. And for me, like I didn't get to fly with everyone like that or even check that out. So it kind of had like a microscopic feel of, okay, this is what it's like when you gather like... 90 of your closest friends and you go and support your team uh, for the weekend. Yeah, you know, and I bet you that feels cool to do. I was close to going to Minnesota, but it sold out in like 10 minutes and I didn't get the chance to. So hopefully this season we can pull off something like that because I am not going to pass up the opportunity to go this time. Right, I agree with you. I mean, you know, Open Cup starts in a couple of weeks and... Uh, you know, for the first round, and of course in April it kicks off uh, the second round, in which you know New Mexico's traveling out to Greenville, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and you know I am very much interested to see 
uh, how the bracket magic works mm -hmm. and where the second or third matches are going to be because it might be time to just, you know, hop on another flight, right? Yep. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Austin just to kind of give, you know, our listeners kind of full experience. You know, again, we got there, we got to Austin at 9.30. It was a direct flight, uh, which was very nice. Um, it was Jacob Jaramillo's birthday. Got to give a shout out to Jacob. Uh, you know, so it was definitely one of the missions was definitely to make sure the guy, uh, you know, stayed hydrated, if you will. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, when we got there, you know, there were two things that needed to happen. Uh, we were going to the t this place called the Tavern and we were going to go basically watch Arsenal uh, uh, play. And I forgot who they played. Gosh, I can't believe it. Um, oh, they played West Ham. And, uh, West Ham. And uh, David Carl's a big Arsenal fan. <laughs> and, of course, I've learned now that Andy uh, Hageman of Fever Pitch is a West Ham fan. Uh -huh. And so we were going there to watch this game as well as uh, David was going to be doing a live remote for United Weekly as well. Um, so I rode along with the ESPN guys. And, uh, you know, and it was... It was pretty good to kind of hear some of their stories, how they got into uh, broadcasts and whatnot. Um, we got to this bar course, you know, and it, it definitely was a very authentic uh, soccer tavern type rickety old bar. Mm -hmm. Like it, we kept thinking it would be really cool to have something like that here in Albuquerque, other than like Two Fools, mm -hmm. um, a place where they just showed the games and you could go. And just have that exciting feeling or how nice it might be to have that in the new stadium perhaps yeah uh, since they want to do the whole uh like the stadium the cultural center the sports and cultural center i think that would be a pretty neat idea so the stadium isn't you know kind of lonely on away matches and people are still there supporting the team no matter what yeah i think you're right on that i mean definitely that is something that they should consider is you know what else we can use the place for. I mean, I know that, you know, there are thoughts that it's like a gallery and, you know, maybe there's small businesses. Mm -hmm. I just hope that what goes into it is very authentic yes. and isn't just like, hey, let's put like, uh, let's put like a Marshalls in here or, you know, let's put, yeah. you know what I mean? Just things that are not relating, so to say, to the consumerism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. And for that, I believe they should do maybe more local businesses since they're kind of more unique than the, like, the more bigger uh, businesses, you know, like Walmart, TJ Maxx, and stuff like that. I just think that local businesses will probably uh, do better there since considering how many fans we get, they could get a lot of business themselves. Exactly. I mean, like, to me, that that's like a, a house of soccer upgrade. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how much it would cost to put a business like that in there. However, yeah. it's just when you have things like that that are uh, implanted within our community and they're in all these different places, it might be nice to kind of put it into one central destination spot. Yeah, you know, and how you just mentioned House of Soccer. House of Soccer being in there would be great. We have a soccer-specific stadium for New Mexico United, and uh, these little kids wanting their gear or wanting just regular jerseys for their favorite player, they can go there and they could just look at the stadium and be like, wow, one day I could be playing here. I'm from New Mexico, and I could be just like Devin Sandoval. Right. And so, uh, so jumping back into my awesome experience, they had this really good – uh, bacon, egg, and American cheese sandwich on Texas toast. And it was literally, like, the best thing 
like since <laughs> since like the BLT. I'm not even gonna lie. It was so good. Um, you know, homemade chips. You know, I mean, I'm sure people are getting a little hungry, or maybe people are thinking about what they ordered there, the ones that that went and the ones who did not. You're definitely gonna want to make yourself uh, a nice sandwich now. So you know, obviously, you could pause this and go do that. Uh, but uh, so then after that, we stayed a while. You know, there was. I think everyone kind of wanted to get out and explore. Some people tried to go and and hike up to this castle, but they were uh, they were really awakened when they saw like the security guard who was like, "Yeah, you guys can't go in there. It's gated <laughs> off." Uh, but they were certainly going to go try and and plant a uh, New Mexico United flag on the castle and <laughs> get some like you know amazing photos for the Instagram. I'm sure. Um, after that, though, we went to our Airbnbs. Uh, these were actually located on the college campus for uh, University of Texas. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't know, actually. I had no idea uh, where the Airbnbs were. I was just really kind of along for the ride, you know, just Venmoing money to David wherever we needed to do things. And yeah. <laughs> so when we get on, uh, we're riding through here, I'm like, I'm like this kind of looks like college. And then they're like, oh, yeah, this is like fraternity sorority row. Uh-huh. And it was like such a big, big deal because I, you know, I haven't been in college since. 2003 so it was like so then like after we got uh into the whole airbnbs then we ended up riding limos uh to uh circuits of america or of of circuit of the america and uh that was kind of cool i've never rode a limo uh to a soccer match have you uh no i haven't yeah so we were doing that and uh you know it, it was kind of it was kind of cool. It was like, all right, like, you know, I, I've definitely seen the curse do some wild things, and you know, and there it was. We rode a limo to the match, and of course, then when we were out front of the limos, then uh, you know, Josh Lane kind of pulled us together. We took photos, which were on the uh, the Instagram and the Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun, you know, and it was cool to kind of be around for the march of the match and kind of get that experience too, because mm-hmm. uh, normally. You know, that isn't something that we get to do or that we end up doing. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So uh, now, obviously, you know, being at the match itself uh, for opening day, uh, I have to say I think that that was a really cool experience. Um, I do want to stress the word cool because it was cold. Uh, it was 65 degrees. I thought 65 degrees was going to be kind of warm yeah. for Texas, but it was cold. It was cold. Yeah, no. Was it windy? Uh, it was windy, yes, but it, it definitely just got very cold, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I you know I almost had started to not bring a jacket to that. And I'm so glad I did because you know I would have been just shivering. I was sitting on the on the press side next to Andrew Gunn from the Journal, mm-hmm. and we were both just kind of sitting there, and we were both just like like popsicles just watching <laughs> this thing. Um, it was cool to be there in person. It wasn't. Uh, that stadium holds, I believe, 6,000, but I'd say there were only maybe about 2,000 people there. Um, uh, I mean, that's pretty good for their turnout. At first, it seemed like their stadium was empty, like in the first half of the game. And then, like, they started showing like, different camera angles, and it seemed like more people started filling in. But I, I don't know what their attendance was. Yeah, so this, this uh, stadium sits in the middle of, like, Formula One racetracks. Uh, very cool. Uh, when I saw the videos after the fact, I re- really kind of ris- wish that I had gotten there earlier because you can apparently do laps on the track in Audis. 
Um, something you can do ride along. They do hot laps where they go like super fast. Oh, damn, um, that's cool. Yeah, and I I think that that would be a very neat experience. Um, again, like they do Formula uh, Formula One racing, and and so that's that's pretty cool. Um, I look forward to when we get our stadium. If there's going to be something else kind of built in, kind of like that sort of feature. Yeah. Um, so then, I wanted to kick us off, kind of asking you overall, like what your overall impression was of the match, like in five words or less. Oh man, I really don't know how to describe it. I just feel like it was sort of scrappy the way we played. Okay, I say five words or less for myself. Um, I can't believe it's here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, where do you want to kick off this thing? I mean, let's I guess go from the top. Let's talk about let's talk about the uniforms, right? I mean, we finally got to see them in action on the uniforms. Yeah. No, and they looked nice out there in the uniforms. It's not like a bright yellow where like, whoa, this is too bright. They should tone it down. It actually. If it well, because we would be able to tell like the positions that they were in and the formation was a lot clearer to see in the uniforms that they wear. Yeah, definitely liked um, how clean the uniforms looked in person. Um, they were like this really nice like yellow color wasn't too bright like as you were kind of saying. Um, the other thing too uh, to the fact of you mentioning the lineups is. So then they released the lineups uh, prior to, and I noticed that, you know, starting over right now. And so, you know, the way the lineups were, uh, you know, with Najem and the left back, and then uh, Schmidt was like in the center back position. Of course, it was in the left center back position. Ryden was on the right side, and then uh, Padilla was on the, the right right back position. <coughs> um, something that was immediately interesting to me was that Schmidt was actually playing in his old position, and I don't think I thought that's how this was going to turn out on game one. I expected Ryden to be in that position and Schmidt to be playing where Tete was. Yeah, and I just, uh, looking at the whole match, to me... Kalen was a stronger defender back there. And the plays that I've seen, that boy has some speed. And I did not think he had that amount of speed to get back there and literally save our butts most of the time. So then, rounding out the lineup, uh, we had Parks in at the uh, on the left wing. We had Guzman uh, right on the inside middle. And then Tenari... Moreno on the right side. We had Weehan and Sandoval up top. Um, so, you know, did you kind of expect the rest of the lineup to to come up that way, or did you think that you might see something different? I I, I expected Moreno to be on the right wing, and I didn't expect Nari to start. I thought it was going to be Guzman and Sully right in the middle. And on the left wing, I was expecting Brucey. But, you know, I wonder why they put uh, Parks there. He really 
To me, he really isn't meant for that position. I believe he should be more up top where Weehan or Sandoval are. And I also expected Sergei to start instead of, of Weehan. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, Romeo Parks is a striker, and so we would expect him to be up top. Uh, and of course, you know, so is Sergei for that matter. It, it definitely is seeming like this is going to be, these first five games are probably going to be Troy's real experimental phase to kind of see where he can place guys, you know, you know, what are some different positions, what are some different configurations that he can use. Uh, because really, I mean, he's got a lot of guys that could play right there where Weehan and Sandoval play. Yeah, you know? definitely. I mean, I'm definitely all for let's use as many of our weapons as we can at once. Uh, but, you know, given the fact that uh, this first match came out. It was definitely interesting, nonetheless, to see how, how that rounded out. So then we had Mizell uh, between the sticks. Um, you know, I, I, again, I think the blue keeper kit looks good. Yeah, it does. I really like it. I'm waiting for the home one. I wonder what color it's going to be. Still wondering, still wondering. <laughs> I mean, the club is informative, right? They did yeah. tell us that some guys were injured from the get-go, so maybe, like, you know, there's more where that's coming from. Uh, so then, let's jump in a little bit into the first half of play. Um, from the gate, uh, what did you think the formation was going to be? Um, I believe on the one I came up with, I thought it was going to be... Hold on, let me get to it. In a 4th and a 4-3-3. Three, three. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so I, I even think that your four-three-three shape uh, would have been, definitely been very interesting against this squad. I know that they came out in a four-two-three-one, mm-hmm. um, so definitely seems like that could have still worked against them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know for us, the graphics showed a four-four-two, but of course we we've come a long way from realizing that the graphic on USL more than likely isn't right most of the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I don't have an official word. However, I'm still trying to imagine that that was a 4 2 3 one. Mm-hmm. Um, There were times where it seemed like the shape had three in the back. Or at times there was just two in the back. Yeah. I mean, w- what did you think of the times when you saw Manny or Najem, like, like flying up the sides? I, I really liked it. Um, Manny and Najem, they gave uh, beautiful crosses, of course. Um, they weren't able to finish them, but uh, considering how well they did and with Suggs being gone, they can potentially show Troy like who's better for that right back position. And I have a feeling that I'm comfortable with both being there in the right back position, so I really am not nervous if like, oh, Najem's coming in, like, I don't know how I feel about this, but now seeing Najem play with uh, the others, I really, I really like it. Yeah, I, there was some, some, some thought, I think someone, I was talking to someone and they, they thought at some point that maybe Najem was a little exposed because he's on the left side versus being on the right side, and that could be, but I mean, 
you know, for the most part, he played the position well. Yeah, he uh, did. It was only a couple times where uh, Romeo actually had to come back and help him, but it wasn't the whole game that was going on. I really do like the fact that our backs can't shoot up and that we still have our our midfielders that are kind of, you know, towing the line, as you will. I mean, Guzman definitely sat in the back a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and Najem and Guzman were able to kind of uh, interact with each other and engage. And, I mean, to me, that just added so much uh, to the shape we had going on in the, in the formation, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I, as for being the formation... I sort of liked it, but I still would have liked to see the one I came up with, like the 4-3-3. I feel like that would be a little bit better considering uh, like the wings that we have. They're more attacking than defensive. So if we played more offensively, I have a feeling that we're going to probably do better. And teams will have to play um, the way, like play, uh, play to us. And then we don't have to play to them. Right, yeah, definitely would would say that much um when you're watching it on a broadcast uh how did you feel uh how did you feel the tempo was did you feel that the team came out a bit more dominant uh than they had last year i mean did they seem like the aggressor in the match from from your vantage point uh looking back from last year's match against fresno our very first match and i feel like this year, considering the new players that we have, we did feel a bit more confident into what we were going into since we uh, do have that experience and we also have players with the with that experience and none of our rookies started as well. So, I mean, we did have that chemistry and that confidence, but in the end, you know, I feel like we got a little bit too confident because we felt like we have it in the bag, we're going to win, but maybe we shouldn't think that way anymore because you never know what can happen and it's just it takes time it's just the first match and like you said earlier Troy's gonna experiment in these first games and he really needs to find something that's gonna work and it has to be now because we can't afford to lose uh, these points that are probably gonna hurt us in the end when trying to make playoffs yeah, I mean, we definitely do need to take advantage of points on the road. I mean, now again, like, you know, this is the first match of the season. And so uh, typically, you know, I've stated in the past that that in talking to Troy, I've learned that he doesn't really take a true sample of the season as far as what he has until 10 matches in. Now, of course, for you, the fan, you want to kind of hope that he can kind of figure it out in half of the time because you've already had one season of 10 matches for him to fall, to find that out. And just for the record, I mean, they went 4-5-1 and one last season in the first 10, mess, uh, 10 matches. So, I mean, to pick up points in at least five of the 10 matches was solid. Of course, obviously, we would want more points this year. So, to that fact... Um, some of the things that I, I kind of pointed out uh, when I was writing some notes is that, you know, the team definitely obviously experienced them being a little bit out of position, right? So obviously you, you have to take that into consideration. Uh, not everyone is in their position. Um, Najem is sort of in his position, but not really. Parks, obviously, 
you know, is playing something new. I think I have seen somewhere that he does play striker and that he also can play mid. So they must be really testing that out. I mean, obviously, the more places that he can play in, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, the the run of play for the first 25 minutes, as I was watching, even on the rewatch and the broadcast, uh, New Mexico did a great job, ultimately, in keeping the bold out of uh, any sort of uh, perimeter to take shots on target. Uh, yeah, and I agree too. Uh, New Mexico United did keep most of the possession playing in, in their defensive third. And I just don't know how we fell apart from that. We were making great chances and we were close to finishing them. But what there's something missing and I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we'll, we'll figure it out in these next couple of matches I mean again we we just can't place too much implications on the first one um, when I was watching it in person the sort of feeling that the match had was like that we were definitely the aggressors uh, the team was very physical and it wasn't like the sort of physical uh, vibe from previous season where uh, the other team typically is very physical and even passing on cheap shots yeah. to where they weren't called. But then whenever you know New Mexico would then try to be a little bit more of the aggressor than all the calls were being yeah. made. Yeah, no, and I can see that they were being uh, smart about it when trying uh, to go for the ball one-on-one. And I just, I don't know if you were able to see it or rewatch it, but I have no idea how Najem got a yellow card. Yeah, that was interesting because I think that, if I'm not mistaken, there was a point in the match where uh, Najem and Raiden both were running down to the corner of the pitch and something maybe outside of play, uh, Najem maybe possibly rocked into the referee or, 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 uh, or Raiden. And and then all I know is that a card came out, and Najem got this card. And like I said, to see it in person, it looked like they both ran down. There was a foul committed, and Najem maybe possibly knocked the cards out of the referee's pocket, and maybe the referee caught one and just gave it to him. I mean, it, you have to. I, I we have to watch it on the rematch. It, it was comical to see it happen. And, and I'm pretty sure that it's probably uh, it probably should have been a non-call. Yeah, no, I I just don't understand. I thought the roughing was gonna get better this season, but if anything, I think it's worse. I kind of okay, so I I agree with you, but then I'm like, they kind of let them play. Like, yeah, there but, was a point in the first half where it seemed like a lot of things should have been called. Probably. Yeah, and. Um, there was handballs that weren't called on Austin and the penalty that was called on us shouldn't have been a penalty and I was kind of uh, 
skeptical about it so I went ahead and I went to ask other refs that I know and I show I showed them the play they saw the play and they oh were man like, Alicia on that <laughs> VAR and they said uh, no if if I was refing that wouldn't have been a penalty it was all ball nice all right so our resident VAR X specialist is <laughs> now Alicia she's taking the game to a higher level so uh, you know uh, never fear Alicia is here <laughs> Um, so yeah, New Mexico had they they didn't allow Bull to take any shots on goal in the first thirty minutes, um, and again we saw both clubs very physical. I mean we saw it, it was really it was really interesting actually because you know I feel like our guys really did step up their game in that area. They learned definitely like how to play down things mm-hmm. that that had happened. I mean I saw many instances where we had probably scissor to tackle. There probably was more body than ball, but yeah. he got up, played it off really well, and, uh, you know, if anything, I saw Bold very frustrated with our guys. Yeah, no, and that's a good thing. They're getting frustrated with us, and they seem just to be playing uh, more down. To me, uh, Bold didn't really look as confident as we did out there, and they really didn't look like the better team. What do you think about all the give-and-goes we saw from our guys and all of the times that they were playing through balls. Uh, I I liked the give and goes, but there's instances where Moreno is super fast and he's there and he's ahead of their defensive line, ahead of their center back, and he's on sides and he's potentially trying to go for a one-on-one with the goalie, but he needs somebody else there. He cannot do it by himself. And with everyone just behind and Moreno going by himself, like nothing's gonna happen and he really needs somebody and that's where for instance where i was like where sergey he has the speed he has um the long legs that are able to catch up to moreno and do a one two and a shot on goal yeah now what did you uh what you think about that bicycle kick that devin sandoval had Oh man, I was excited for it. That's, I feel like that's his little move uh, here in, in the team. He had, I believe, two goals with the bicycle kick last season. So I feel like that's his thing. And I honestly thought it was going in, but you know, goalie was there. What can you do about it? That's true. So <clears throat> something else I had made a note of is that, uh, so Sean McFarlane, you know, he's a defender for... Uh, bold. They were saying on the broadcast that you know he likes to go deep, and so there was an instance where Parks and Weehan were both going down the other way. A ball was being sent overhead, and and um, McFarland was trying to mark uh, Parks, so Weehan just kind of ran, ran in, right in behind him, <clears throat> and ultimately to get the ball, you know, still, I mean, McFarland ultimately just cleared it out of bounds. But you know, that to me gave me some confidence about the formation that Troy had in play because I thought, okay, right then and there, you know, we had Parks now up top in the middle in a striker role, Mm -hmm. you know, on this run down the pitch with Weehan playing something a little bit more under. So I think there's definitely a bit of trickery that's going to happen. I think that we can't get almost too focused on what the physical formation looks like because... Um, it can easily be switched at any moment in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And 
with Parks, I just feel maybe with time or maybe he was nervous. You never know. He, to me, he seems like a little bit clumsy on the footwork. He Every time the ball would come to him, they would like bounce between his legs and he'd lose it to an Austin player. So maybe uh, that gets fixed here in the next couple of games. Yeah, he definitely got some bad bounces. Everything seemed like a bounce up to his chest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that obviously can't be... That can't be great for you if you're someone who just, you know, is trying to get this down by your yeah. foot. It's like the odd bounce, and then all of a sudden everyone's on you super quick. Um, so, I mean, really, how would you how would you rate the run of play for the first half, given the fact that, again, like New Mexico has a very huge defensive effort. Um, they obviously had many chances. Um, you know, much of play was in Bold's defensive half. You know, given the fact it was the first match and there's still a lot of timing issues, but I mean, how would you still rate that first half? Uh, giving it letter grade, I would probably rate it as a B plus. Okay. Uh, we're good uh, doing that in the first half, but it just really needs to continue in the second half and not shut down. Okay. I would probably give it just a fair B. B plus probably as well with you and I would just say that because I mean like there's obviously room for more improvement you know I'm not going to be super critical probably of the first five matches you know I know Troy likes to use 10 I'm going to say I'm going to use five Um, I won't I won't be super critical but uh, you know because again like these guys got to gel together and you know um, one of the comments that uh, that was made uh, post-match, and I'll get to it a little bit later, was that, that oh, uh, Chris, Chris Weehan had made this comment. He said, you know, he said, we actually gelled together a little bit better in preseason than tonight. So, you know, just some things were maybe were not on, so to say. Um, and so that that speaks volumes, perhaps. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's this is the real deal. So, um, you know, whenever I've played sports it's always been you know practice the way that you practice the way you play yeah exactly because whatever you do at practice you're gonna do it in a game that's why they uh my coach has always told me don't have ass stuff because the way you practice here is the way you're gonna play it's not gonna change yeah so maybe that's maybe that's a disadvantage of the friendlies sometimes is that the friendlies aren't going all out Mm -hmm. so you know there is a bit of the friendly that doesn't translate over to the regular season so then getting into the second half, right? Um, what were you kind of hoping the second half would be like? Um, uh, second half, I was hoping for a change in formation, possibly taking out uh, Devin, putting in Sergi, taking out Romeo, putting in Bruce, but it stayed the same for a while still before we got to see subs. And I was hoping that we had that momentum going because of all the chances we were creating in the first. I was excited to see um, how many goals we were going to put up front in the second half. But since we, I believe uh, we were down 1-0 in the second half, I can't remember. Uh, or we, did it Yes. Have, yeah. Yeah, so I was hoping like for that fiery comeback because I know for a fact Chris Behan was like ready for a comeback and ready to uh, score some goals so we don't miss out on those three points. But 
the subs that we saw, unfortunately, were just something that I feel like nobody was happy with. Yeah, um, second half play, I definitely felt like, okay, first half we're playing well. You know, can we just get some more of what's happening from the first half? Um, the second half was certainly more physical. Um, testament to that is uh, around minute 50. You know, obviously, uh, we were trying to get back on defense. I think it was a position. Uh, they There was the bold is basically, bold is basically chipped a shot into just about right before the 18 or so. And Schmidt was out of position and ultimately um, to try to save a shot on goal, he comes in and tackles him, right? Yeah. And so that sets up a penalty kick, uh, which at that point was Bold's obviously their opportunity to get on the board first. Yeah. You know? And to me, as looking at uh, last season, we tend to shut down in the second half, and I was hoping for not for not that to happen this season, but it happened again, and I wonder why. I wonder what goes on in that locker room during halftime, what's being said in there, if it's something that's bringing the players down, um, but it just needs to stop. They need to have that same mentality or what we saw on Saturday could possibly be what we see from now on. Yeah, I was uh, reading, I had got this excerpt sent to me. I, I don't know where the article came from. I'm going to possibly guess that this came from Chris Bill's uh, statesman in Austin. Um, I could be wrong, and if I am, then I'll definitely go back and, and cite where it was. Um, so it says, uh, Tawazmi played all 90 minutes. He spent time on both wings and caused New Mexico fits with his speed, including on the decisive play. Lima spotted him running on the left, turned and chipped a high pass for Tawazmi to run onto. New Mexico defender Justin Smith barreled into him from behind, drawing the penalty call. It was a play we knew was going to work, Tawazmi said. New Mexico was very ball-focused, so we knew there would be space behind. Yeah, and it's just, with that, I believe Schmidt has done that in the past, where it's that sort of same tackle causes us a penalty. And he just really needs to be careful now in reading it. And Or someone just needs to stay back there and not go as, as far as the rest of the defenders. Yeah, it it's just not the, the best choice. And I mean, I I get what's happening in that moment. It's like, let me get in there and, and razzle a guy and, and make sure he doesn't get the shot off. You know, but, you know, when that gets called as a penalty, you know, now you just have to hope that, you know, Mizell is able to ultimately be in the right position. And he did choose right. He obviously was... He did put himself in the right direction, but, I mean, you know, he just couldn't foresee the ball was going to be rocketed right into the top corner. Yeah, yeah. No, and with the speed and the foot on, I can't remember who took the penalty. Andre Lima? Yeah. He is just 
gonna be hard for a goalie to block it and with how fast it's coming at you it's literally like the speed of light It'll, you'll just see it go right past you so going past that we're obviously down one nil um but i didn't feel like i didn't feel like that was the end of our team it seemed like they were down but they weren't out yeah and after that it seemed to be like they were uh, giving the ball away to Austin a bit more. They would try to pass it and it would be to an Austin player who's more like kickball and they really weren't redirecting their passes to where they wanted to go. It seemed like they just wanted to get the ball up there and up there and up there to see if we were able to score. And so then we finally saw subs uh, into the match around uh, minute 66. Uh, we saw Hamilton in for Guzman, we saw Strada in for Parks, and we saw Sergi in for Tanari. Um, so obviously this is, our, this is our first look up, look at this lineup with these subs. Um, I mean, how did you feel about these substitutions? I some I really didn't like the Hamilton or Strada subs. Uh, Tanari was doing great in the midfield. I felt like he should have stayed. He was. Uh, bringing the ball up in the middle to um, the attacking third. And it he took a shot on goal, and I believe his shot on goal was the play of the match for that night. And uh, Hamilton, I don't understand why Hamilton was there, because, I mean, Schmidt was sort of playing Hamilton's position and the center back position, so there was really no need for Hamilton to go in there. And Sergei going in for was it who was it for for Tanari for Tanari yeah no I I just don't agree with it they should have taken out um Devin it seemed like he was getting uh, a little bit tired yeah so it was an interesting lineup nonetheless because you had Sergi basically shifted to the wing position where Parks was you had Hamilton in the middle still Estrada was playing outside. Uh, it looked like he was playing maybe more outside with Moreno. So I mean, look, there was some sort of kind of a kind of a switch. Um, at times, we did see Sergi up top, you know, in kind of like a a striker role, probably more so for when they were def- uh, playing, you know, corner kicks that were being played in. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely, I think, got to see. Um, I think we got to see a very, like, hungry uh, Sammy Sergi, maybe along the lines of what we were hearing uh, in the friendlies. Yeah. I mean, he definitely tried to do as much as he could do. Yeah, no, and um, with Estrada coming in, I was kind of not happy about it, but then I saw the chances he was creating for our strikers, and I ended up did liking that substitution. But with Sergi, he just really, he, to me, he reminds me more of a cherry picker. He needs to be up there, and you need to give him the ball, or he will find ways to try to make plays because scooting him down in the midfield as a wing or more back, uh, as a, more as a, of an attacking midfielder, is just not going to work for Sergi. Right, and so, to, uh, so. Bull definitely did try to obviously put the game on ice um, when they brought in Billy Forbes. Um, you know, obviously, who's got tons of experience, as well as um, when they brought in Ish Joe. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I wondered, I was like, you know, Ishtrum just came in. I wonder what Alicia is thinking at this moment in time because, you know, obviously this guy comes in and he, he just changes the, the tempo. Yeah, definitely. And I honestly thought that one of their key players was... Javi Baez, he was a Liga MX player. I believe he won two cups with, can't remember if it's Necaxa or Cruz Azul, but he came freshly off of Liga MX into Austin Bolt. To me, he just didn't shine like he was supposed to. Moreno coming from Liga MX from Tijuana, it just, and the Dorados, it's just um, Moreno outshined him. and. I don't know if it's age or if they're around the same age or I think Javi is a bit older than Moreno, but Moreno just outshined him. And with with Ishram coming in, <laughs> I, w- I was scared because maybe it was going to be a 2-0 a game at this point and we had no chance of getting back on the board. Yeah, I was definitely surprised that we got six minutes of uh, of stoppage time yeah nonetheless so it was good to see the guys play a full 90 minutes that was something that last year when they first started playing that we didn't see a whole lot of it was something that they had to work on Mm -hmm. almost through the first 10 matches and that Mm -hmm. was you know i mean how good does it uh feel to you uh that the team is playing a full 90 and then some it's great to see that their momentum is still going. There's still some players that are still getting a little bit winded back there. But, you know, with the injuries that we had, it's going to change when they come back. And maybe we won't be as tired anymore. So, I guess just kind of give um, give your overall uh, impression of this match. I mean, obviously, we didn't dive into every minute uh, because you know you can always you know you can always go back and watch the matches. But you know if you were to just kind of look at the overall match, you know what what is your impression of it? You know things you liked, things you didn't like. Uh, things I liked was uh, probably the first half and how we kept most of the possession and being smart about being physical. What I didn't like was how we get in this sort of Uh, under pressure moment and we just try to look up and give the ball to an open yellow player and here comes an Austin player you really need to look up and see who you're gonna go with because we we can't afford these bad giveaways right on I would say my overall impression of the match was you know even though uh, the team lost 1-0 we did get to see how some of our our newest pickups performed we did get to see how Ryden performs and how um, you know his ability to advance the ball even take it up the whole field himself as well yeah um, against a different team not just our own yeah. um, we did get to see how Tanari and Ajim um, played um, I, I can't wait to see how Moreno Tanari and Najem play together, together at the same time. Yeah, no, me too. I'm very excited for that, considering that they already have the chemistry there and they don't have to uh, build it brand new. I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, and then I, I was definitely interested to see Sergi get his first start. Um, you know, as a rookie, obviously, that's something that, I mean, rookies didn't really get those starts last season unless it was due to injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we did have. A, quality subs on the bench and Bruce and Muhammad 
Um, so uh, definitely that was interesting to see. Um, I'd say overall, you know, it wasn't a bad match. If, if you don't have the decision made by Schmidt to, to tackle the guy, uh, then ultimately it's still a nil-nil game. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking to somebody about. If it wasn't for that uh, bad call, it would have been a nil-nil game. And maybe our players would have played a little bit better since, uh, than they did in the second half if that penalty didn't happen. Well, they might have even been able to pull out a win. Yeah, I yeah mean, it's exactly. Possible. You know, I mean, so the best here, you know, we could definitely, we definitely need to hope for, for road points. Um, that's definitely something. All right, so something we wanted to do this year that we hadn't really done uh, last year is we wanted to have our own uh, Seek and Strike Man of the Match. Yes. Uh, so, Alicia, uh, who do you have for your Man of the Match? Man, I have two players I can't decide with. But in looking at the overall play of the game and see how they played, my Man of the Match, and I have to agree with uh, with the club, it's Kaelin Ryden. He... He did amazing back there. He has speed on him that I didn't think he had. And when Schmidt was out of position, he sprinted back there to the top of the 18. And I was like, whoa, Kalen came out of nowhere and he saved us. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to have to agree with you on that one. I, I had two. Um, I had Chris Weehan and I had Kalen Ryden. Um, I had Weehan uh, just because, you know, he, he was – all over the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, it, his performance uh, against Austin Bold actually reminded me of his performance against Sacramento uh, Republic when that match when Brucey got the 40-yard banger. Oh, yeah. That was another <laughs> night where Weehan was all over the place trying to make things happen, trying to create chances. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like we saw a very deep season Weehan very early on. I hope he keeps that energy yeah. uh, through the rest of these matches because that right there, to me, that looked like the man who was like on a path to like do something great this season. I will give it to Caleb Ryder in this, this match just because I do feel like he made some decisions. I mean, he was playing even out of position for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was able to you know, strength in the back line, which when I talked to Chris Weehan, he didn't feel that because we didn't have Tete or that we didn't have Suggs or Yearwood that the back line wasn't strengthened. He felt like they came into the match confident in who they had on the team. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a, a matter of that they weren't confident or that the team wasn't strong back there. Um, he felt like they, they could do it. Um, so I feel like Kalen Ryden definitely contributed to that. But again, seeing uh, his other talents, being able to take the ball into the top half. Uh, when I had talked to him after the match, um, he said that there was just a point where he felt like he needed to kind of get the team unstuck, kind of take it, you know, and kind of create opportunities. And of course, because of how the team played well with him, it obviously freed him up to take some shots into the box himself. Yeah, no, and I got so excited every time he'd be up there taking shots on goal. I was like, come on, go in, go in. Let the first goal be to Kalen. And, um, but my runner-up for Man of the Match was Amanda Moreno. He, 
he has that mentality where it's go 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 he gives it 110 percent from minute zero to minute um, 90 an extra time or over yeah an extra time it's just it's non-stop with him and i love that about him he does not shut down if anything it just fuels him to go even stronger and i just hope he keeps that throughout the whole season So looking into this weekend, our next opponent is uh, in a way match, and they will be playing against FC Tulsa. They were known as the Tulsa Roughnecks, but they kind of had this rebranding over the offseason, and now they're FC Tulsa. They have a new logo, new uniform. Kind of gives me Minnesota United, LAFC vibe. Yeah, I know they just got this new deal with Adidas, and so they got these – the. Jerseys I've seen are white with kind of a, a gold or silverish kind of numbers numbers in the back, just kind of a shine. Yeah, it's kind of like the LAFC jerseys where like everything's aligned. It's like the white jersey and it's aligned gold. It's not a bad look. I mean, I was looking at. I mean, it's it's kind of fresh. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually pre- like their jerseys. So they just had their <laughs> first game of the season. And it was an away match against Sacramento, and they finished 1-1. Okay, yeah, and that I was watching some of the highlights to that match. It was like, essentially, play was kind of back and forth for most of it. Uh, Sacramento scored in the 41st minute, um, and then it was pretty much just... Tulsa really trying to rally and they scored in the 79th minute off of um, a sequence of plays where ultimately at the end of the ball was Rodrigo da Costa uh, equalizing. Yeah. I mean, looking at some of the, the stat breakdown off of the Sacramento game, um, the thing that I thought was interesting was that, uh, Sacramento had 16 shots with eight on goal. Um, and so they obviously gave Tulsa a little bit more work uh, on the night, whereas uh, Tulsa had only had four shots with two on goal. So, I'd, you know, for having some um, offensive backups, you know, as uh, uh, the USL Championship website has put it, uh, it, it didn't look like they really got – out of the gate that much that night. Um, definitely each team kind of were equal in fouls, both with about 16, 17. And uh, FC Tulsa really didn't get to take advantage of any possession on the corners at all. Yeah, no, it just, to me, they're pretty mediocre. It just, it's going to take time for them to build that chemistry and try to get it going. But as of right now, I really do not see them getting high on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to take some time. Like, when you're implementing new systems, I mean, even we're obviously going through that. Uh, the, the difference just might be the type of experience added. Um, with FC Tulsa, make no mistake, they definitely do have uh, the right kind of players to be dangerous. Um, they they did add... Uh, um, Ariel Martinez and uh, Dario Suarez uh, from Miami FC, and of course Miami FC, you know, 
pretty dominant in the Nisa days uh, before coming into USL Championship. So, you know, definitely uh, they call Dario uh, Super Dario. So uh, he is someone who definitely can impact the game. Not to mention they got Bradley Bourgeois and uh, Lebo Melota from Nashville LC, which, you know, Nashville LC did make some runs last year. So, you know, I think I think our when you look at FC Tulsa as far as New Mexico United and can, can and should New Mexico United fans be worried about FC Tulsa? Uh, I mean, in the beginning of this this season, I mean, you know, New Mexico United isn't fully gelled yet, and obviously FC Tulsa is looking to come out and you know and find their chemistry a lot sooner. So, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it seems like kind of like a a 50-50 toss-up right now. Yeah, and I mean, we shouldn't be worried about FC Tulsa, but I mean, considering how we were looking in the second half uh, against Austin, it does look like a Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, the things that New Mexico needs to do um, against FC Tulsa, they obviously do need to... um, they do need to get on the board first. I mean, that, you know, obviously goes without saying. Uh, they're going to need to really lock in some of those passes that we know that were kind of loose against uh, Austin. You know, I feel like FC Tulsa and Austin back-to-back like this, this isn't like a schedule where you would have to worry as much as, say, if you played El Paso and Phoenix back-to-back. Uh, yeah. You know how I told you before, it's the it's the guys' mentality and they have to keep it up because against teams with Locomotive and Phoenix Rising, we tend to do our best against them. And then we see RGV or we see Tacoma Defiance in the following games and we play down to their level and that's just not acceptable. And especially in season two, if we're trying to make it farther in playoffs and possibly get a bye week, we can't afford to do that. Yeah, we definitely have to pick up points on the road. We definitely cannot uh, go another week without at least claiming one point on the road, if that. Um, we do need three, but like I said, like, you know, we have to look at it as we need to at least claim claim a point on these away matches. You know, obviously three for the best. And really that's kind of what we're looking at. I mean, you know, we're, we're too early in to really be able to break apart what Tulsa can do and considering that they are they have signed so many new new players. I mean, like I said, like all I could do to really compliment that team right now is to think about the fact that they have signed some guys that are obviously standouts from other squads, and as soon as they find some chemistry, they might be one of those teams that can be like a mid-level uh, table team that can kind of make it hard for your team to you know, to, to advance later in the season, you know, right now too much, there's, it's too early to really kind of get into how much of a threat they could be. And we haven't seen too much. Yeah. It's just the beginning of the season. It's just a first game has been played and, you know, you can't really tell this much just by one game. You have to give it a couple of matches. Yeah. So do you want to kind of base kind of a, a light prediction on this game? Um, I want to pick up three points on the road. As of looking right now, I just have a feeling we're going to end up uh, 
1-1. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think that um, I don't win this match. Um, you know, right now I do feel like, you know, 1-1 gets us out of there with a point. Um, I feel like that's kind of where we're at currently um, until really we can see us, you know, clearly like putting up a, a defensive stance against, you know, against teams. I think 1-1 one, one is a safe safe uh, uh, prediction for this week. Yeah, and out of injuries, I'm hoping Suggs and Rashid are back. Right, and I did send an email to the club earlier this week um, just trying to get a scouting report to find out, um, you know, how long the players were going to be out per their injury and if they could give a little bit more detail on exactly what the injury is. Um, so I'm still waiting to hear back uh, from the club. And this might be a good transition point. They had a media hour scheduled today uh, in which they canceled it at about 12 o'clock, which is about 30 minutes shy of when it would have started uh, due to the, uh, the latest announcement of the coronavirus hitting New Mexico. Yeah, and you know about that. They did send out an official statement and... For those of you that haven't seen or read the statement, it stated basically that they are aware of the virus and it could potentially impact the 2020 season. As we're seeing right now, uh, games are being postponed. Hartfield, uh, Hartford Athletic just postponed their uh, home matches to a later date. And tonight, um, Tacoma Defiance or Sounders FC2, whatever, against San Diego Loyal, uh, they actually played a closed-door match. So right now, I have a feeling game is still on for our home season opener against El Paso, but that can change tomorrow or that can change next week. Yeah, and so along the lines of that, you know, we got kind of – we got kind of creative here. We thought, okay, well, let's put a poll up on the Instagram because we got a good response there. And, you know, we just kind of asked them. We said, look, we said, we asked the, we asked the different fans. We said, look, uh, you know, obviously the club is going to be most concerned about the safety of everyone concerning the virus, you know, so they're currently obviously working with the league and, you know, I'm sure the league's working with United States Soccer Federation. But we wanted to know from the fans, like, what do you think? Um, the team should do with the uh, first two home matches, right? Because we got El Paso on the 21st and then Las Vegas like a couple days later on the 25th. Uh, we put this up there and we got kind of a 50-50 split. We had, you know, eight folks that said, hey, they should um, do closed-door match play. And then we had another eight that said, well, they should postpone the games. And I wanted to talk with you, Alicia, and kind of get – your perspective on each option and what you think, you know, the benefits are from each one. So postponing the game, I, I, I really don't know if we should just play closed door, postponing it, or just canceling the game. Um, it's really hard because I understand that the club wants to take all precautions and, um, better be safe than sorry and keep the fans safe as well but postponing the match can lead people upset now will they refund tickets will they give credit 
we don't know about that. And it, it would be smart on them to postpone it so they don't lose out on the money that they make each match day, which I don't know how much they would lose, but it, it's probably quite a bit of money that they'll lose. And also, closed door friendly, it just wouldn't feel the same to me. It just takes away from seeing the whole sporting events, and not everybody has ESPN Plus or like they can't afford it for some reason. Like, you never know. And then going to watch parties what if those are canceled too so how are you able to watch the game yeah that's a good point um so let's pick it apart so i so i will i'll talk let's talk about uh pushing the games back so postponing up so to me the reason why i think you would postpone the games is because you want the fan element there you want your fans there it's opening night the team thrives off the energy you want to preserve the plans you had for opening night. Now, of course, and, this does mean yeah. that. Um, oh, so you want you want the opening night energy there. You want the fans there. You have plans. You have that's the best thing. You're trying to schedule it. Now, obviously, they probably have very limited options on um, where they can move dates around. I, I can't assume that they could just go piling them all up because they have to look at. Um, what else is open on the other team's schedule, you know, how many times they're going to play in that week, you know, and and, and just based on what uh, San Diego did today, pushing a game back, I mean, they pushed their game back into July. So where they had maybe just one game in each week, they created a situation where now they had a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, you know, right there off the bat. And, you know, there's no telling if they might advance an open cup and then have to kind of deal with that. And that's the bad thing about postponing the game. I can probably see Peter doing it considering how big of a sellout we do here at home matches. We average 12000 per match. And looking at ticket sales right now, it looks like we're going to sell out for opening day. And I can totally see that happening, postponing the match. But we have open cup we have other matches and their legs they're gonna be tired and it's gonna be the same as last season where we had that open cup hangover if not worse yeah that's that's definitely very much possible i mean we know the open cup matches are like tuesday wednesday and i'm pretty sure for the most part they aren't going to be choosing to postpone the matches into any weeks that are open cup weeks so you're definitely looking at, you know, does this impact the midseason break or, you know, is this like, you know, let's stick in the random Wednesday and create, you know, this three match in 10 day situation, maybe something that's not positive or putting matches in between, you know, um, tougher opponents. I mean, there's so many factors that probably are going to play into that. So then going into the other half of the, the poll is, you know, just, playing closed door matches, you know, no fans there. Everyone can watch on ESPN plus, um, you know, I kind of go two ways with that. Like, you know, if they do play the matches, like the way the one was played tonight, you know, then pretty much I would say it's, it's just a step above the friendlies as far as the fact that you, you the playing ground would seem very neutral. The only difference obviously is going to be that 
the home team is going to know their pitch a little bit better or their conditions a little bit better. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not going to be any momentum, any tempo. I mean, they're going to have to rely really upon each other for that sort of momentum. Keeping the games going is good only because then results are being produced. However, if anyone on the team catches the sickness or gets ill, you know, just by being out because, I mean, it's cold and whatever can, you know, can impact the immune system, that's always a precaution too. Yeah, you know, and with um, playing closer families, like I said earlier, um, usually not everybody has ESPN Plus or – like I said, they're trying to um, avoid big crowded areas. And with watch parties, they could potentially be canceled. And now some people don't have a way of watching the game. And it could also cause kind of madness there because people are going to want to go stand outside of the gates and, you know, still try to cheer them on so they know that we're there. And it's just they can't be doing that because we don't know what – everybody has a to sickness and it, it just spreads easily so i just i don't know what to do i'm i'm 50 50 on this postponing it could potentially lead us to tired legs and not a good outlook on in the season and playing closed door you you don't know what can happen yeah i mean exactly and like to your point i mean watch parties and lots of people i mean you know, I mean, watch parties sound really good, but then it's like, well, again, like, you have a lot of people, and some people are going to want to be out, and everyone's got a different scale on their sickness, right? Not everyone takes cold medicine. Some people just try to rough it out, try to take shots of bourbon whiskey or whatever it is. So it's like you potentially are kind of dealing with that situation. Um, other than that, uh, you know, it's like, well, you could, if you have it, you could stream it at home and watch it. But, you know, it's not quite the same sitting in your living room by yourself, or maybe you just have a few of your friends and you're watching the game and it's that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, again, it's just letting the games go on. Uh, to me, it just kind of keeps things somewhat normal. Um, and it's a little bit of a sacrifice to not have folks there. And maybe they can kind of choose that based upon the opponent. And I wonder if they would do something along those lines. Like if it's a game like El Paso, they're like, no, let's postpone it because obviously they really want the vibe there. They want that energy versus, you know. And then does a team like El Paso. And then the other thing that we haven't even factored here is, you know, I mean, our team's traveling. Our you know, is the team going to travel back in or back or to Tulsa out of state, you know, given the fact that there's this pandemic, like, are they flying? They're going to have to fly. And so therefore there's that exposure. Yeah. It's just, you have to take all precautions into measure. You know, it's something that we shouldn't really worry about this virus. Um, you always want, like, always, as you were told as a kid, always wash your hands, coughing your elbow, your shirt, um, sanitize as much as possible, disinfect what's highly touched. It's just taking those small steps, you'll be fine. Nobody should be really panicking. It's just 
really, as like I said, you told you were little, wash your hands for 20 seconds, sing happy birthday. That's 20 seconds while you're washing your hands. And I'm pretty sure you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, this is, this is nothing that we wouldn't already be doing, you know, now it's like there's a lot of emphasis, you know, I mean, obviously we know there's those folks that, you know, that don't do it. And that's just, <laughs> that just really <laughs> always gets me, man. I'm trying to chase the guy down and, and make sure he's got like hand wash or something. But um, yeah, I mean, ultimately we know as long as the club's got the fans in mind, I mean, now to your other points you're bringing up about whether they would refund tickets or credits. And, you know, again, like we, we can't speak for the club, but I mean, being a season ticket holder myself, I think I just look at it like, it's just, it's a credit. Like, I mean, like, if the game is if the game is postponed, then we're still gonna see it. If the game is played and I'm not able to be there, then to me I feel like that should be a credit. Like that should be one that you weren't able to see. Um and I don't necessarily want my money back because I'm gonna still be a season ticket holder. You know what I mean? So I just think it yeah. just goes goes towards the next. Yeah, no, and I agree with you on that. I This season is actually my first season becoming a season ticket holder. And if it comes to, like, canceling or feeling closed or friendlies, I can see them crediting for the next season because if they're doing closed or friendlies, they're losing out on so much money that they make on match day with food, drinks, merch, and all of that. They're losing out on so much. Well, and they don't even really get too much of the concessions because that's still isotopes. Um, for the most part, I mean, they might pay like into some factors. But uh, the other thing to think about is that, you know, most of us are on these four or eight uh, month um, season ticket payment plans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the most part, like if you're on an eight payment, if you're on an eight month payment plan, like I was on, I'm almost. I think you're almost done somewhere into April as far as paying. So like whether or not, you know, they postpone matches or they, or they play them. I mean, if they play them and, and you're still paying, then I think that they should figure out a way to just kind of even it out to where maybe you don't pay that month's that last month's worth, because that probably is equal to about two of the matches they're going to play without you being present. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But, so it I just, I don't it know just kind of depends on what the overall numbers are, but you know, again, like something will come about. I mean, they will find a way to make it special for the fans as they typically do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we just wanted to speculate on it since it had come out today and we were going to finish this episode that we started on Tuesday. Um, and so, uh, so we were uh, being able to talk about it. Something else I've kind of on the jump to is just like talk about the USL app. Like I was, we were looking at it on, on Tuesday, but the USL app, if you haven't downloaded it, is actually a really cool app. Um, when you first pull it up, it has this homepage. And so therefore it's going to kind of show you um, anything that's going on with USL. So like pick them tickets. Um, there's contests on the front page. Uh, there's going to be, maybe some initial news stories that they want you to read. Uh, the next little uh, widget is called scores and it's going to show you all the scores basically for any of the given days that you want to, that you want to look at 
Uh, you can click into one of them, and it's going to give you uh, the lineups. So you're going to be able to see the formations that each team was in. And you're going to be able to see head-to-head -head statistics, team stats, um, which are pretty cool because, you know, I'm always trying to press pause on uh, publications to see exactly what was happening at the first half. Um, player stats are pretty cool. It doesn't give you maybe as much detail as you'd want on player stats as far as chance creation. Uh, you'd still probably have to go on the USL website for that. It does show you a little bit of Twitter activity as well um, in between the game itself. So if the teams are both doing live tweets, you can see that. On the next widget, it's got the teams. So you obviously, when you download the app, since you're a New Mexico United fan, you obviously choose to follow New Mexico United. So all of your indicators are based on that. But if you wanted to select another team, you can do that there, and then you'll be able to see all of the information pertinent to them. Probably my favorite tab at this point is goal feed. Now, goal feed is basically all the goals from all the games, and it's just showing you every single one. So to me, like, if you wanted to see the two goals that, uh, that were scored tonight in the San Diego loyal match uh, from Francis Atuain, um, you could just go ahead and play each one. And so... That makes it super easy to find all the goals that happened um, through the weekend. Um, have you had any? Have you been able to kind of play with this app a little bit, Alicia? Yeah, just a little bit. Just looking, I like how if you go to scores, it literally shows you all the scores from East Coast to West Coast and who played who. And if you click on it. It gives you literally all the stats. You could click on their lineups, and then you can go to the goal feed to see um, how it was scored. And also, there's at the at the home page they do the pick and win tickets, and like there's little polls there, and you just pick uh, whatever it's asking you, and you have a possibility of winning stuff. Did you submit this this uh, week's pick'em tickets? Uh, I think I just did that. Yeah, I nice. just did that. <laughs> nice. Now, on the the last part of the app, it has the three dots. It says more. This is what this is a cool one because this shows you USL Championship as well as USL League One, and it's going to show you news, tickets, players, transfer tracker, which is great. Um. Standing stats, power rankings, and then of course it's got pick'em, saves of the week, team of the week, and expansion news. Um, at the very bottom, it's got edit my teams. You click that, and you're able to actually select more teams. So if you wanted to follow New Mexico United, and maybe you want to follow like a USL one team, um, then you're able to follow both teams, and so it's going to show you um, obviously information for both teams. And um, so, you know, definitely check out the app if you're not checking it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, the only thing that's a downer about the app is that it doesn't necessarily filter in anything that you want to read from Seek and Strike. Um, there are a lot of blogs that kind of run through Beautiful Game Network um, or, or are independent. So obviously 
you know, keep subscribing to that until uh, the USL app figures out that it needs to pull in all of our, our media as well. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Is there, is there anything that you wanted to add to this episode before we start to close it down? Uh, no, just I I see people on the New Mexico United group kind of freaking out about the virus. I said earlier, just uh, don't worry about it and always be updated on what the club says just in case anything happens. But other than that, just live every day like as if it doesn't exist. Right on. So uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at exclusive underscore Alicia, as well as Instagram. And on Facebook, you can find me under Alicia Arias. Right on. And you can find me at by Chris Walker on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I do like to get on Twitter and get active. So definitely chat with me. And uh, you can also find everything that we're doing at seekandstrikecollective.com. You can find the podcast on all major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, um, as well as BGN Network, uh, which is, you know, who powers our podcast. And so that's going to be it for us. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss an episode, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.